0: The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 11th chapter. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Judeans were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was merely referring to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Judeans had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, My brother would not have died, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. The Judeans who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Judeans who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Judeans said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Judeans, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Grace and peace to you, sisters and brothers in Christ. I've heard it said, and perhaps you have as well, or you're about to, that the shortest verse in all of Scripture tells us the most about Jesus. In Greek, it's just two words, and sometimes likewise in English, though our NRSV translation translated it thusly. Jesus began to weep. That two-word option would have been Jesus wept. The Gospel of John captures the uniqueness of Jesus's character and nature by presenting what On the one hand, presenting what theologians have called high Christology. He's declared the word of God right from the start. He speaks about himself as son of God and son of man. People, with full understanding, declare Jesus to be the Messiah. Jesus knows things no ordinary person could possibly know. Like, Lazarus is dead before the news that he's fallen ill even reaches Jesus. At the same time, on the other hand, John emphasizes Jesus' humanity. He's the word who became flesh in chapter 1. In the last chapter, resurrected, he will prove he is still human in some sense as he eats by the shoreline with his disciples. Ghosts and spirits don't eat, you see. Here, about halfway through the book, though most of the way through the timeline, Jesus shows his human emotions in a very public display sort of way. And that doesn't always happen. He cries in the garden before being arrested. He cries upon the cross. This time, it seems a bit different, though, or at least it could be. See, Jesus knows what's coming. Just as Jesus knew that Lazarus was already dead, he knows that he will rise. It won't be like Jesus' resurrection, but... Uh, More of a resuscitation, because Lazarus will die again. Yet curiously, Jesus proclaims that those who believe in him never die. It's with that clue that we might start to answer the question then, why did Jesus weep? Not just weep, but he's moved several times, greatly disturbed in his spirit. He's shaken down to the very core. Now, perhaps there is some sense that even some of his close friends or disciples, people whom he loved, who hung on his every word, the sort that were always ready to host him, and on and on. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were very close with Jesus. Maybe they didn't trust God and believe the gospel in a way such that they would never die. It's been suggested that this disturbing in Jesus is maybe more like anger or profound disappointment. He's nearing the end of his earthly ministry, and even Lazarus still doesn't get what's going on. Another possibility would be akin to those other times that Jesus is recorded with of having such overwhelming emotions. Perhaps he is considering himself and his future. The crucifixion and his own three days in the tomb are not something he's looking forward to. When we think of God in Christ as merely snapping his fingers to achieve salvation, merely having a a bad weekend, something like this, as though stoic and aware of everything that is to come, Jesus just kind of has to go through the motions. That sense of what God was up to thinking of it in that way, really undercuts the severity of the situation in a way that betrays the gospel as it is written. Jesus struggled, suffered. It was hard. He was hesitant to go through with it. He dreaded the day when it would come about. Yet he still goes willingly. So maybe he's weeping for himself, but the timing does seem a little bit off if that's the case, and John includes a detail that gives a different idea. It was when Jesus saw others mourning the death of Lazarus that he was deeply moved. Now, we can circle back to those first two possibilities and spin them with that as the emphasis. Perhaps Jesus weeps because they don't get it, but not just that they don't get it in their heads or trust it in their hearts, but because as great and glorious as this gift of forgiveness salvation and eternal life is the coming resurrection there is still pain and chaos and death in this life it's like those snakes we considered uh, out in the wilderness we looked at this a couple weeks ago how Jesus will be lifted up like a serpent in like the serpent in the wilderness like Moses lifting up a serpent. The poison no longer robbed them, no longer robs us of life, but the pain is still there. The snake bites still happen. The most ardent and faithful Christian will still mourn at a funeral. The most fervent preacher can still get a catch in their throat or a tear on their cheek, even as they proclaim that the lost are found, the dead will rise and you will see your lost loved one again. You can know how your journey ends and still experience the turmoil and tragedy that comes along the way. Life is good, but it is hard. Okay, then, second answer from before, but considering John's remark that Jesus is responding to others in their mourning. Perhaps Jesus is indeed considering himself and what's coming, but rather than dreading the day or regretting its difficulty. He's concerned about how much harder it will be for these people whom he loves, John keeps pointing that out, when his time comes. They're losing Lazarus for a few days, and Jesus will rise too, but then he will ascend, and then his followers will face hardship after hardship in his absence. As hard as it was for those in Bethany on that day, what's coming is far worse, and Jesus knows it. So which is it? Is it weeping over Lazarus or Jesus? Is it for disappointment in the people or frustration in how the world works and will work until the end of this age? Well, trying to narrow that down, preachers doing what we do will turn to the Greek, to the manuscripts, to the history, the study around it, and looking for some kind of clarification. And I will just fast forward to this not surprising, though a bit interesting conclusion, that the word here in the NRSV, disturbed, while the Greek could imply anger, it's really about that overwhelming emotion. It turns out disturbed is actually a pretty good word for it, maybe the best word to use in English. So Jesus was overtaken by feelings from his very core, outward to his actions. That's the kind of disturbed we're talking about. The level of disruption, it would seem to me, might come about because, well, all of that stuff. Jesus is considering that day, considering his future, considering the future of all those people, the future they will face, considering the future that we live in now, and the future that still lies ahead of us. Jesus is considering all of that, and that's enough to disturb him to his core. There is little, if anything, more painful than knowing that someone you love is suffering and knowing that someday death will separate you. But Jesus said, we will never die if we trust in him. Paul implies something to the same effect, that our fleshly death happens in baptism as we take on Christ's death, and yet we are alive. We are now alive in God's spirit, and therefore, the sort of life we live, the kind of alive we are, we live it to God. It's the sort of life that, in some sense, never ends. The answer is how that word is muddied in Greek. And Jesus, John, and the gospel writer, excuse me, John, the gospel writer, and Paul, the other writer, (laughs) all play with this double meaning. The same word in Greek means both asleep and dead. You've heard Paul's words at many funerals. We may not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Those who believe in Christ will never die, Jesus tells us. Our death to flesh has already come and gone. There is no death in the spirit. Death for us is more like sleep. It's a loss of consciousness. It's an awareness that time has passed. It's a a pause on our interacting with the world. But it comes to an end, and we wake up. So what did the disciples say when they heard about Lazarus? If he's fallen asleep, he will be all right. If we have fallen asleep, we will be all right. When we fall asleep, we will be all right. We weep for ourselves and for each other along the way, and Jesus weeps and will weep with us. But salvation means safety. At their core, those words are the same. And they have the same implication. Because we are saved and therefore safe, we will be all Amen. Right.